Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 43 of We Effed Up. I'm Teresa. I'm Cody. And we're here again to walk you through all of the times in history where we effed up. What are we talking about this time, Cody? I remember. I remember. For the first time in so long, I remember. You remembered it once before. What we're talking about. We're talking about Emperor Honorius. No, we're not. That was last Damn episode. It. <laughs> Oh my god, I can't even... I was so excited. You remember from last episode because that was last episode. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, oh, I, I was I'm so, so excited. I'm, I'm sorry for crushing your hopes and dreams because you look so excited. I, but... was, I was like, oh my god, I remember. No, you didn't. Nope. <laughs> my memory is not as good as I thought. Oh uh, yeah, I don't remember. I don't about remember the white ship disaster. White ship disaster. Okay, all right. Now, but, are you going to tell me why I have this pen and paper? Yeah, I'm, I'm about to. Okay. So, right. well, well, listeners, Teresa, I asked her before I had to get a piece of paper and a pen or pencil ready. I'm going to have you write down some names. Okay. Do I have to be able to spell them? I would hope you'd be able to spell these. Okay. They're very basic names. Okay. William. And write, write all these out in a like a list going this way. So just because like... you're going to put tally marks at the end of these. Okay, so just underneath? Yeah. William, okay. so mm-hmm. Robert, Henry, Stephen with a PH, and Matilda. There are several people in the tale I'm about to relay to you. Okay. Pretty much everybody in this tale shares those five names. Oh my god. And every time one pops up, I'm going to put down a tally mark. A different one? Yes. Okay. Oh boy. Yeah. Now, now, this is also a period of time, uh, late 11th, early 12th century. Even back then, they gave them nicknames because it was confusing. Mm-hmm. I'll refer to their given name like once mm-hmm. initially, and then from then I will refer to them as their nickname. Sure. Okay. That way it's going to be easier because it's That's easier helpful. for me to do that too. Yeah. Or I'll refer to them like as their title that okay. they're known by. So. so this is in England, I'm assuming. England and France, yes. Okay. So. I was going to say, these are some pretty British names. Yes. Well, and if they're, they're British for a reason. Yeah. But. And if they're going to be repeated, then yeah. it makes sense. Okay. So. Got it. For context, England had been successfully invaded and conquered by William. All right. Duke of Normandy in 1066, establishing the Norman dynasty in England. Norman dynasty. I always like dynasty. That's yeah. a it's a great name. It's a good show. Um it's- did you really watch Dynasty? I've seen bits and pieces of it. Oh, TV land kid yep. over here. Uh, now, this William, he's in, he's King William I, but he's more often referred to as William the Conqueror. So I'm just going right. to call him the Conqueror from now on. Uh, over his 20-year reign, the Conqueror consolidated his rule over the kingdom and placed many of his Norman subordinates into positions of power in England. Okay. The Conqueror had seven surviving children two of which succeeded him in his realms when he died in September 1087. Robert, the oldest son, became Duke of Normandy. Okay. He was nicknamed Robert Curtos. Curtos? Because he had short legs. Okay. Yeah. While his other son, William, mm-hmm. who is nicknamed Rufus, because he, uh, it's either because he had like kind of a ruddy face mm-hmm. or like red hair. We don't really know. Oh, okay. Uh, his, uh, Rufus, he became King of England. Okay. So Duke of Normandy, King of England. Yeah, so he gave it to two of his sons. His other remaining son, Henry, Mm -hmm. was left without any land to inherit, but did receive a substantial monetary inheritance. 
Okay. Yeah, money's better than land anyways. He had a nickname that was applied like after he was alive, mm-hmm. Beauclerk. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call him Henry throughout this because only one other... I mean, there's another Henry that shows up later, mm-hmm. but it's after this Henry dies, so okay. it's fine. Okay. Uh, Rufus and Curtos immediately began to fight over each other's lands. This fighting culminated in a rebellion against Rufus in 1088 that failed. Okay. The two would enter into an uneasy peace afterwards. Uneasy peace. Yes. Kind of staring at each other across the English Channel, just glaring at each other. He's like, I'm Duke of Normandy. And he's like, well, I'm King of England. Yep. And they send shitty letters back to yeah. back and forth to one another. Yep. <laughs> Meanwhile, Henry used the inheritance money from the Conqueror to purchase the County of Cotentin, but was forced from this position by Robert, or by Curtos a short time later. Mm, okay. Henry continued to fight against both of his brothers in the following years, but was increasingly marginalized, being essentially a non-factor in the early 1090s. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, I I would like to be referred to as a non-factor after I die. I pop. just feel like it's a it's like a a blow, like a posthumous <laughs> blow. A non-factor. Cody was a non-factor in the podcasting world. Oh, <laughs> I mean, we all are really. Yeah. There's like a handful that are factors. Yes. So uh, he continued to prove a nuisance to Curtos and eventually obtained the financial support of Rufus. So Rufus sees and saying, "Hey, you're you're messing with." The brother I don't like, it's fine. Here's some money for you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Curtos took part in the First Crusade, leaving for the Holy Land in 1096. To pay for the army that he assembled, he mortgaged the Duchy of Normandy to Rufus, who would serve as regent Roberts, or in Curtos' absence. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, you may ask the question, well, why doesn't Rufus just take the Duke, the Duchy of Normandy if he's been wanting it? Mm-hmm. When a lord would pledge themselves to go on crusade and they would go... Mm-hmm. The Pope, like part of the, of like a swearing, you know, to go on crusade is that your lands are kind of sacrosanct. Like this isn't uh, gonna be an opportunity for your rivals to come in. Like, well, he's not there, so I'm just gonna go take it. Yeah, and if he did, it'd be like real poor form. Uh, yeah. Okay. Like you Got could it. be excommunicated. I see. Big, because you're big deal. At- essentially attacking somebody who was taking on, you know, a holy the, a holy purpose. Right. Okay. So. You know, honestly, I don't know anything about the Crusades. They are a hot mess. In the end, they were kind of pointless. Well, we covered it in sixth grade world history. So, like, not, yeah, they, I did I not mean, retain a lot. Yeah, because they're not exactly relevant to the United States. Specifically, history. yeah. Yeah, so it's like we don't really, they don't get a lot of play over here. But And that was also the year that 9-11 happened. So, a yes. little bit of our lesson plan got messed up. Yes. And I also remember watching Joan of Arc. That's it. I don't know if that has anything to do with the Crusades, but. No. All right. Cool. Uh, <laughs> good Good talk. <laughs> <laughs> After Curtos left on crusade, Henry was by Rufus's side in subsequent campaigns in France. Because something else to understand. So the Duchy of Normandy was a uh, fiefdom of the King of France. Okay. So the Duke of Normandy owed fealty to the King of France. Okay. Once the Dukes of Normandy become kings of England, this creates a very awkward situation yeah, yeah. where the King of England has to pay homage to the King of France specifically for normandy it's like flags yeah you're not supposed to fly any flags above the american flag but yeah everybody's got their own rules so who goes higher create like creates awkward situations for like the next like 400 years (laughs) where the kings of england like will try their damnedest not to do it oh my god so like something that could have been easily hashed out but they're like you know what instead let's have a chip on our shoulder for 400 years about this pretty much (laughs) Great, um, great. 
At the conclusion of the First Crusade in August 1099, Curtos began a long journey home via Constantinople in southern Italy, where he spent the winter of 1099 to 1100. So he's just making his way back, but he's not in Normandy when the next thing happens I'm about to talk about. Okay. Or even in France, or even in England. So he's not back to home. No. Okay. On August 2nd, 1100, Rufus went hunting in the New Forest, accompanied by several nobles, including his brother Henry. Where's the New Forest? It's in England. Okay. While hunting, Rufus was shot with an arrow through his chest, killing him. Oh, no. Was it on purpose? Much speculation exists about who fired the arrow and whether it was accidental or intentional. Okay. Robert was, or Curtos was still on his way back from Crusade. Henry, leaving his brother's body where it lay, rushed off to Winchester to secure the royal treasury. Oh God, my brother's dead. Must go secure the monies. Pretty much. After oh securing God. the treasury and the support of key nobles, Henry was crowned king at Westminster Abbey on August 5th, 1100. Wow. Okay. Wow. Because uh, Rufus didn't have any children. Right. And Curtos was his elder brother. So it kind of stood to reason that he would be the one to inherit. Mm-hmm. But Henry just kind of just swoops in and just grabs it. He's like, well, you know what? Curtos isn't here. Yeah, because it's like if he has control of the money and he's taking the step of now being anointed king. Now it's like, well, it, it, there's a very big taboo about dethroning an anointed king because now it's like oh well he is right. appointed by god to be king <clears throat> right basically so right. so so he's essentially made it so that he can't come and dethrone him pretty much and if he does it's going to be like a big yeah, deal it's gonna be big to do capital b capital yeah. d uh here's an image of henry from around the time oh man it's photographic in its likeness oh yeah it's <laughs> he's yeah. holding a castle he's holding a Book, book or a wallet henricus primus, primus. <laughs> yeah it was, this was they, uh, they weren't known for their realism at this time so <laughs> no i know I'm, yeah. I'm joking uh shortly after in november 1100 henry married matilda got it a daughter of king malcolm iii of scotland i will be referring to this matilda specifically as queen matilda okay they name a bunch of kids after her, I'm assuming. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Curtos, indignant at his brother's usurpation of his perceived rights, began preparations to invade England. However, these efforts would be for naught. He lost Normandy to Henry in 1106 and was taken captive. He oh, would no. die in custody 28 years later. Oh my god. He was in his 80s when he died. And this is like, you know, the 1100s. And they kept him in in a jail the whole time? I mean... Or under house arrest or whatever? House arrest, basically. I mean, they're not going to... Man, he was probably one salty-ass old man. It's like, my brother is a dick. Yeah, He stole the crown from me. And just yelling at everybody who would listen. And so this is now um, Henry's holdings. Basically, he has all this brown area here. I mean, a little bit cut off at the top in England, so it's a little bit more up here. But he also holds these areas in France. In Normandy and uh, the Breton Peninsula there. So he's got basically the whole channel there. Yeah, pretty much. With the exception of like a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, over the next 30 years, Henry proved to be an effective ruler. He initiated governmental and religious reforms while putting down various revolts and fending off King Louis VI of France, who was his nominal overlord for his French holdings. Mm. So. Okay. So he, he was doing good. Yeah. He, was, he was having a good time. Uh, Henry and Queen Matilda would have two surviving children. Matilda, Check. in 1102, 
who I will refer from now on, and you'll find out why in a minute, as Empress Matilda. Baby Matilda? (laughs) No. And William. All right. In 1103. I will refer to him by his nickname, Adelin. Adelin. It's kind of an adept, like a modification of an old Anglo-Saxon word, Etheling, which meant like princeling. Mm -hmm. So, and that's just what he was called then, but... Okay. So I'm just going to refer to him as Adelin from now on. Okay. Adelin, uh, born in 1103. Okay. Well, he he was a William, right? Yeah, he was. Okay. So you, I, already got, already I already got the mark. Yep. Henry would prove to be the most prolific English monarch in regards to children. Oh, boy. In addition to Empress Matilda and Adelin and an infant son with Queen Matilda that did not survive, he would have an estimated 24 illegitimate children. Holy God. So he was a great king. He was a terrible husband, is what you're saying. Kind of, yeah. Okay. It was also kind of expected. Man, I, I know. times were it's... so different. But to be fair, he treated his illegitimate children well. He at least acknowledged that they existed. That's fair. I'm not going to go through all of them. No, that's fine. Are and... there any William Robert Henry Stevens or other Matildas? Uh, there are, actually, oh. but I'm not... They're not if relevant? They, yeah. If, okay. if they are relevant, I will mention them. Okay, got it. Yeah, it's confusing. He, like, doubles and sometimes triples up on the names. Oh, my God. Yeah. Why? Oh, why? I don't know. Uh, In 1108, King Henry of England married his daughter to... uh, His daughter, the Empress Matilda, to Henry V. Okay. The future Holy Roman Emperor. Okay. So, this is why she is Empress Matilda. Got it, got it. Now, I said 1108. She is six years old at this point. Oh, God. How old is he? Older. Uh, of course, you know, they obviously don't like an, consummate it immediately. But like an adult? Yeah. I know. I know. I hate it so much. I know. I'm just going to jump out the window really quick. In 1115, Henry attempted to negotiate with King Louis, offering to cede the Duchy of Normandy to Adelin, with Adelin paying homage to Louis. That would be like, all right, my son is the Duke of Normandy. He'll pay homage to you. That way I don't have to. Mm-hmm. However... Louis supported the cause of William, All right. Cleto, the Count of Flanders, and the son of Curtos as the rightful Duke of Normandy. Okay. I will refer to him as Cleto from now on. So he basically, this guy Cleto, got the ear of King Louis yeah. and was like, listen, my dad actually was the one who had the... The, du- the, du- the Duchy of Normandy. Yeah. It so was taken he, from So him. I really oh, am owed this. And the, yes. the king... The king, king Louis was king like, Louis, yeah, sure. He was like, you son of a bitch... I'm in. Yep. All right. Got it. Over the next five years, Henry and Louis would battle throughout northern France, with Henry ultimately, ultimately emerging victorious in June 1120. Adelin would pay homage to Louis for Normandy, and Louis confirmed Adelin's rights to Normandy. All right. So Adelin is the duke. Yep. Now, just to rewind just a little bit, Queen Cleto, Matilda... Cleto is not the duke. No. Okay. He's pissed. Uh, Queen Matilda died in May 1118. You mean... Okay. Queen Matilda. All yes. right. Okay. You already got her. Got it. Uh, so with a male heir and an ongoing the ongoing war with Louis, Henry did not feel the need to remarry right away. He could have, because he has two legitimate children, but he's like, I don't need to right away. I'll wait till this war is over, and then I'll look at the political landscape to see who I should marry. Also, he's got a million mistresses, so like his, his days are full. He's like, yeah. I don't really need to remarry. I yeah. got all of these people yeah. lining up. So Yikes. I'm going to show you a picture of... That is the best picture I could find of um, Adelin. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Cool. Got it. And that is an image of the Empress Matilda. 
All right. All right. Man, I'm so, I'm so, um, I'm just in awe of people who are able to ascribe a name to these paintings because they, uh, they're not exactly very different. This is so-and-so. Yeah. Yeah. Good on them. God bless those monks and nuns who did those things, illuminated those texts for (laughs) us. In November 1120, Henry and his retinue prepared to return to England from Normandy. Before departing, Henry was visited by a man named Thomas Fitzstephen. Okay. Mm, You can put it on there. I'll just put a a half. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, He is the effer-upper of this episode. Okay. His, uh, Thomas Fitzstephen, whose father, Stephen Fitzirard. What's the Fitz mean? Do you know? Um, because surnames weren't really too much of a thing at this point. Mm -hmm. It was kind of a derived from the Latin filius. It's like son of. Oh, okay. So eventually that would kind of morph into surnames. Okay. Like uh, in in Iceland where it's like Thor's son, Thor's daughter. Yeah. Okay. And then later on, it would kind of be revived, uh, like for like the Stuart kings, they would use it to give their illegitimate children last names. Oh, so you have right, like right, right, Fitz right. Charles, okay. Fitz James. I remember that. I remember Fitz that. William. Okay, yeah. cool, so. got it. Fitz Fitz Stephen. Yeah. Or Thomas Fitz Stephen, or forever. And then his father Stephen Fitz Irard, which you already got. Um, Stephen Fitzirard had been the captain of the Mora, the ship that had conveyed the Conqueror across the English Channel during his invasion in 1066. So his son is now like, hey, you know, Henry, I have this ship here. It's called the Blanche Neff, which is French for white ship. Uh He named his boat White Ship. Uh, Saying to Henry, quote, Stephen, my father, served yours all his life by sea, and he it was who steered the ship in which your father sailed for the conquest of England. Sire, King, I beg you to grant me the same office in fief. I have a vessel called the Blanche Neff. Probably Blanche Neff. I don't know. Well-equipped and manned with 50 skillful mariners, end quote. He's offering this ship to Henry. Hey, take this ship across the channel. But also, give me some stuff. Yeah. Like, give me some props. Well, Henry Henry had already made arrangements for his crossing, but permitted Fitzstephen to carry his son Adelin and several other nobles across the channel in the white ship. Which is important. Yes. Okay. Uh, many nobles, including Adelin, began to drink heavily before departure. Oh, man. Uh, some chronicles state that the crew also drank. This, there's so many stories that uh, like start with, oh, all of the people on the ship got blitzed and end in mm-hmm. tragedy. So, Well. Here we go. Over 300 people were on board, but several disembarked before departure, including, crucially, Stephen of Blois, Stephen. Henry's nephew. Stephen of Blois. Blois. It looks like Blois, B-L-O-I-S. It's pronounced Blois. Okay. Uh, he's the nephew of King Henry. Got it. After setting off from Barfleur, Fitzstephen was challenged by some of the drunken revelers to overtake the kingship. Let's okay. have a race. Oh, okay. All right. What? This is where he F's up. Oh, my God. Fitzstephen, confident, perhaps drunkenly confident, that the white ship's superior construction could achieve such a feat, agreed. Oh, boy. They're all wasted. They're like, yeah, let's race boats. I can... My boat's great. However, night had fallen by this point. Oh, no. There's no no fog lights. The ship quickly struck a rock and began to sink. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's like mini Titanic. Adelin quickly got into a small boat with a few others and began to row away. 
but turned back when he heard the cries of his half-sister, Matilda, Oh, not boy. the Empress. Another this is Matilda. one of the illegitimate children, also <laughs> named Matilda. Oh, my God. Uh, before he could reach her, his boat was swamped by others trying to escape, and he drowned. Oh, no. This is the heir to the throne. Oh, boy. And Matilda. Yeah, other Matilda. Yeah. Illegitimate Matilda. Yeah. Uh, Fitzstephen also died in the mishap. Legend says that he allowed himself to be drowned once he realized that Adelin was dead, not wanting to face Henry's wrath. Oh, yeah. Probably better for you, bud. Of the approximately 300 people on board, all but one died. A, a butcher from Rouen who managed to cling to the rock that the white ship had struck. I just imagine like a Monty Python sketch where it's just this dude it like kind of is. Uh, hanging up out on this rock. Help! I need some help, please. Help me, please. I'm just a poor butcher. <laughs> uh, just imagining Eric Idle out there. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, sorry. Besides Adelin, the heir to the throne, two of Henry's illegitimate children, and numerous knights and nobles also perished. Shouldn't and, be racing. Don't race boats. And here is a depiction of it from like a couple centuries later. Not very detailed. <laughs> I like how this one guy just has his leg out the boat. Oh, help. Yeah. They're all, they all have their arms up, like, too. Oh, no. I like that. Help me. Oh, no. <laughs> Henry was devastated by the disaster. He lost three children, including his heir. At this time, it was perceived that women could not rule, mm -hmm. and even so, his only legitimate daughter was away in Germany. Therefore, Henry had to cast about amongst his nephews in search of an heir. Oh, no. Meanwhile, in January 1121, he married Adeliza of Louvain. So, new name. Uh -huh. The eldest child of the Count of Louvain. Henry was 53 years old at the time, oh, God. while Adeliza was 18. At least she was 18. At least she wasn't six. Uncommon for the time, Adeliza would accompany Henry when, like, wherever and whenever he traveled. This was likely to maximize the chances for a male heir. <laughs> so he could just sow his wild oats, or so that she could be there whenever the mood struck. Yes. Or, or, or I guess theoretically, he could be there whenever she was ovulating. Yeah, pretty okay. much. Just like, just every night, just trying for that male heir. <laughs> also, though, it does reduce the likelihood that he would sow his wild oats. Yeah. You know, because if he's yeah. traveling, he's probably going to be hitting it wherever wherever it's available in any place. Yep. Woman so, in every port. Yeah. So yep. now he's like, all right, yep. wife, come with me so we can we yep. can figure this out. Of Henry's nephews, two were in positions to potentially succeed him. Cleto, Robert's son, or Curto's son, we previously mentioned, and the, again, previously mentioned Stephen of Blois, mm -hmm. who is the son of Henry's sister, Adela, who had very very smartly gotten off the white ship oh. uh, before it sailed. She's like, Specula y'all well, Speculation exists that he got too drunk and was sick. Oh, so, I see. Like, I'm already so sick, I can't go in the sea. I mean, seriously, like <sighs> yeah. being on a boat with 300 people, yeah. that big of a boat, and being drunk, that yeah. sounds terrible. In 1125, Henry married Stephen off to Matilda. Okay. Countess of Boulogne, a powerful noble in her own right. Okay. So he's trying to like set him up, like, okay, well, maybe he can be the heir. I'm going to get him married to a powerful noble. You know, everything will be steady. Uh, Cleto was in open conflict with Henry at the time and was seen as a puppet of King Louis, so Henry was inclined to back Stephen as his, as his heir. Sure, yeah. Henry also considered naming one of his illegitimate sons, the capable Robert, okay. Earl of Gloucester, 
as his heir, but this would have caused great consternation in the English nobility, because heaven forbid your illegitimate child succeeds you. Yeah, you can't have consternation. Yeah. However, in 1125, another option presented itself. Empress Matilda's husband, Henry V, died. Ooh. So now, and they did not have any children. Okay. She really has no stake in Germany anymore, so if she doesn't, she can come back home to England. Mm-hmm. Henry decides to declare her the heir if he had no male son okay. with his wife. Okay. At Christmas 1126, Henry made his nobles swear to support Matilda, or Empress Matilda, including his nephew Stephen of Blois. Okay. In July 1128, Cleto died, removing a potential rival from the throne. Okay. Or for the throne. The same year, Henry married Empress Matilda to Geoffrey Plantagenet, the Count of Anjou, a powerful French noble. Plantagenet. That sounds familiar. Yes. That's an important last name. Yes, it is. In the world. While Henry intended for Empress Matilda to inherit the throne, he still held out hope for a male heir. He's like, I'm trying, man. I've been trying. Yeah. This wish stymied Henry's support for Empress Matilda, and he did not give her any power, money, castles, or troops while he was still alive. Because typically, like... If you know someone's going to be the heir, you start kind of like giving them right. things, to like give them a strong base of support when they do succeed to the throne. But he didn't do he's any not, of that. No. He's, like, he's still holding out hope that he's going to have a male heir. How old is he at this point? He's he pretty old. Is, uh, he's 60. Okay. Yeah. Him and Adelaide never have any children. Even though they're married for like 15 years. Maybe she could not have any children. Or maybe he was just spent. He had 27 children. Maybe yeah. he just didn't have any left. Like, may, like, maybe he, maybe there is a limit to how many children men can actually have. I don't think so. And maybe he reached it. <laughs> the limit does not exist. Anyways. <laughs> so, um, when a revolt broke out in southern Normandy 1135, Empress Matilda and Geoffrey gave it uh, tacit support, hoping to force some concessions from Henry. Henry traveled to Normandy to shore up support against the rebels and was making his way back to England when he stopped off at the town of Lyon La Forêt in northern France, mm-hmm. just across the channel. Okay. While there, he fell ill. Oh no! Supposedly from eating too many lampreys. Ew! Lampreys yes, he are had gross. he had a fondness for eating lampreys. Who does that? But what a weirdo! The King of England in 1135. It's, but apparently, he ate too many of them. It's like That's what made him sick, and he died on December 1st, 1135. Eat too many of them. That's what happens. Now remember, Empress Matilda, she's in southern Normandy. So like kind of like center of France. Right, right. Stephen of Blois is just across the channel. Oh. I see where this Remember is what Henry did. This is a race. Stephen quickly raced across the English Channel to London, marshaled support, and was crowned king on December 22nd. No. Matilda's like, what? Yeah. All of you pledge to support me, but. Dicks. <laughs> her dad's not around anymore. She doesn't have like, a lot of support in terms of right, material support. Right, they're like, support. you're a woman. You yeah, can never rule. Yeah. Empress Matilda was furious and began preparations for war. Oh, boy. The resulting civil war, known as the Anarchy, would last until 1153. Ooh. 18 years. Dang. Okay. I'm going to show you, and I'll show you here a picture of Stephen. It's not a flattering picture. You know what? It's um, it's better than a lot of the other photos we've seen today. I mean, this is also pro- this is also like after. This is all like a lot, a lot later. But yeah, 
It's not great. It's it's just because it looks like he has crossed eyes. Yes. That could just be a flaw of the painting, though. Uh, Stephen was actually captured at the Battle of Lincoln in 1141, and Matilda briefly took the throne, but she was forced from London by hostile crowds, and Stephen was freed shortly after in a prisoner exchange. Oh. Stephen lost Normandy in 1141, and Empress Matilda's son, Henry Plantagenet, Henry, Henry Plantagenet, began campaigning in England in 1148. In 1153, both sides, exhausted from nearly two decades of war, agreed to the Treaty of Wallingford. Stephen would remain as king until his death and would be succeeded by Henry Plantagenet. Okay. I'm going to show you another picture here. This is kind of like the point of control of England around the time that they agreed to the tree. Just ignore this guy up here. It's like a another player in it, but he's not really relevant. So, like, Stephen is in this red area. Uh-huh. Batilda and Henry are in this blue area. Wow, Stephen's got uh, much, much more. Yes, but remember, he lost Normandy. Okay. Yep. So... So he basically just took more land in England, but lost Normandy. Lost across the channel. Yep. Okay. Uh, Stephen's eldest son, Eustace, uh, had died the previous year, and all I could think of was Courage, Cowardly Dog. Eustace. And his other son, William. Okay. Only time he's going to come up, so I'm not giving him a nickname. uh, Would renounce his claim. Following the treaty, however, Stephen began to consolidate his control over the kingdom and was likely preparing for another campaign. Oh, no. Because he didn't want to, like, actually disinherit his son. He basically just did this just to kind of get a chance to breathe. Right. However, he died on October 25th, 1154. Never had a chance. Per the terms of the treaty, Henry Plantagenet was crowned as King Henry II on December 19th. Wow. The anarchy was a devastating period for England. Um, a quote from the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle. Quote, There was nothing but disturbance and wickedness and robbery. Yeah, because it's, quote. I mean, it's neighbor versus neighbor, basically. Yep. Uh, the coinage system broke down with Stephen, Empress Matilda, and local lords minting their own coins. Oh my god, that's a, never a good thing. Royal forest law had collapsed, leaving large areas picked clean of flora and fauna. Oh, boy. Basically, the king had the right to, like, say, like, this is the king's wood. Mm-hmm. This is the king's pasture or whatever. Mm-hmm. And only the king had the right to hunt hunt right. or harvest. Yeah, from those areas. Which, kind of in a way, it's almost like a weird form of proto-conservation. Yeah. It's like you're uh, assuming the king isn't, like, just obsessed with hunting. Yeah, I mean, I know that they didn't mean for it to be like that, yeah. but, like, by proxy, it did become yes. a conservation thing. But now because... that, like, this is just kind of just a free-for-all. Right. Because if you have 20 king's woods, you can't, you simply cannot hunt. Mm, right. Uh, hunt them to extinction in all of those places. Right. So they would be pristine. The other half of that, though, is they would allow the livestock and the flora and fauna to just kind of, like, overgrow. Yeah. So then when they go out there, it's like, oh, there's 300 deer here. Of yep. course I'm going to kill a deer. Yep. Uh, King David I of Scotland took advantage of the chaos, taking some lands in northern England. While they're all messing around down there, I will just yep just keep going. Just take some of this. Okay. Um, authority became more concentrated in London and away from Winchester, which was the original English capital. It hadn't been for some time, but it's kind of in the middle of the war zone, I mm-hmm. guess you could say. So it's kind of like what little central authority had left was kind of taken away. Sure. So... 
However, Henry II would manage to restore England to glory and would be regarded as one of England's greatest monarchs. Oh, wow. If you listen to Rex, Rex Factor, he is officially the greatest monarch. Oh, yeah, so. wow. And his mother, the Empress Matilda, would serve as a key advisor to her son and would even manage Normandy in its stead when he was absent. Wow. She died on September 10th, 1167. All right. So really kind of in the end, like, it, even if everything had gone how Henry I planned it, like, it still would have ended up with the same result. Henry II would still be on the throne, even right. if Stephen had never interfered. So, it's kind of pointless. That's demoralizing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, and also, but like, you know, if Adelin had not gotten on the ship to begin with, or Thomas Fitzstephen had decided, no, I'm not going to, well, you know, drink maybe while I'm on the job. Yeah, get wasted. Or, or race the king's boat, which it, he could, like, he did, do not have to give him the peer pressure. Could have said no. Yeah, exactly. So, that was silly. I mean, if Adelin survives, it's like, you know, King William the Third, maybe. But what, we could like, also how does that happen? But we could also rewind it back and say, you know, Kurtos, all the way back then. Yeah. What ifs? Yeah. Just gotta go, you know, going down that rabbit hole. But uh, but like if, you know, because like uh, Matilda marrying Geoffrey Plantagenet, this would kind of really English kings had kind of really kind of been in France for a little bit, you know, because of Normandy, mm-hmm. this really begins their, um, almost, you could say the beginnings of the Hundred Years' War. Oh, wow. Like okay. the seeds for it are kind of planted here. Mm-hmm. Because Henry II, he would marry Eleanor of Aquitaine. Mm-hmm. And basically the entire western half of France would be under his control. Dang, okay. In addition to England, and he would campaign in Ireland too. So it's like he had this massive empire he'd kind of put together. Dang, okay. Uh, that kind of just fell apart with his sons. Um, wow. But if Adelin comes to the throne, you don't really necessarily have that. You like they may just have Normandy. Yeah, but... a lot, lot less, a lot more boring, maybe. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, what is the final tally in all those names? We have William with five, Robert with two, Henry with three. I uh, counted two and a half for Stephen. And Matilda has four. So, very confusing story. And that's amongst, like, 20 people <laughs> Yeah. that I mentioned. I mean, there was a few unique ones out there, like Adeliza or Louis. Yeah, that's 16 and a half out of yeah, 20. Yeah, <laughs> so it's, like, it, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And there's even more of those I could, like, I, I think there were a couple Williams among the illegitimate children. Maybe another Matilda. William the Conqueror's wife was also named, she was Matilda of Flanders. Oh, my God. Um... I don't know what the obsession with the name Matilda was at this time. I really don't. But yeah, it's. It, I just found it funny, like reading through all this. It's just like, good, good lord. No wonder. No wonder the chronicles then at the time gave them all nicknames. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like it. Sources for this: Jim Bradbury, Stephen and Matilda from 2009; David Carpenter, The Struggle for Mastery from 2004; Helen Castor, She Wolves from 2010; David Crouch, The Normans from 2002. And Charles Spencer's The White Ship from 2020. Little weird side note about the author of that last book. That is Princess Diana's brother. Oh, weird. And so, the future king's uncle. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. Well, is weird. he a historian? 
I think so. The Earl Spencer, whatever his title is. Is it specific? Is he specifically like a English history writer? I, I guess so. that would make sense. Yeah. Um, podcast I'm going to recommend for this week. Uh, Rejects and Revolutionaries. Nice. Pretty solid podcast about colonial American history. Uh, so definitely check it out. Because uh, even, even here, that doesn't really get a lot of play in public schools to just like uh the mayflower the pilgrims thanksgiving uh revolution it's like there's a lot in between there <laughs> uh you might get you might learn about roanoke island but that's about it <laughs> i um i looked up the name matilda because mm. i wanted to see why it's popular so it's a uh it's actually an english anglicized form of a germanic name which is matildis which is a german name which means uh, battle-ready or strong. So maybe they were like, hmm. we've heard this German name and we became obsessed with it. And also battle-ready sounds pretty badass. Yeah. So uh, also it, on the uh, Wikipedia page, uh, the seal of Empress Matilda is the image. Hmm. So pretty yeah. cool. I think probably everybody became... Also, when somebody is the king, queen, emperor, empress, people become obsessed with their names. Mm -hmm. Like William, Prince William. The William became a super popular name again, which had kind of fallen out of favor for a while. And then people were like, oh, yeah. William? Oh, Guillaume. Or yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Wasn't so. I think there's been four Williams mm -hmm. to sit the throne. I mean, there will be five yeah. at some point. but Yeah. Unless he changes his name. Unless he does, but... I mean, I mean, it's such a cool get-out-of-jail-free card to just be like, okay, I'll change my name. Yeah. But it, didn't you say it's tradition to change your name to a name that has already been used, right? Um, I mean, a lot anymore, they just are given the name that's already been used. Um, Given? Well, like the name they're given at birth. Oh. Like Charles, oh, like, gotcha, that gotcha. was his name at birth. Right, right. So it's like, okay. why bother? Some of them, like, have changed it just because they didn't like the person they were named after like uh george the sixth elizabeth ii's father mm -hmm. he was named after his great-grandfather prince albert uh -huh. who was princess victoria's husband because uh -huh. he was born on i think the day he either shared the birthday of prince albert or he was born on the day he died okay. for the anniversary of his death and princess victoria was like definitely someone you want to say like 40 years later get over it oh. um yeah so he was named albert and he's like, no, I don't want to be Albert. I don't want to be King Albert. I wonder if you could like... Or like Edward VIII, his name was David. I wonder if you could like change it to something totally random though. Be like, I want to be King Jimmy John. Or if if the crown would be like, no. No, you're King James the Seventh. Yeah, you, you can't be King Jimmy John. I'd be like, yeah. I'll be King Guillermo. Get out of here. And yeah. they're like, no, you can't be King Guillermo. But like Edward VIII, it's like, obviously probably having a King David, not... Yeah. Yeah. Or, or it's like you don't, or like you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have anybody be King Arthur. Right. Just because. That's good. Yeah. It, mm, That's yeah. fair. Or like, like you might not want to have the name of someone who was a horrible, like there's never been another King Stephen. Yeah. There's never been a second King John. Um, but King John was good. No, he was, he was awful. I'm only basing He's literally that. the villain from the Robin Hood stories. I'm only basing <laughs> that off of. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, King Richard is the good guy in Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yes. 
King Richard comes Richard back the from the Crusades. Yes. Yes. Crusades, and King yes. John is the guy with the mole. He's his brother, yes. Okay. Yep. <laughs> He's the one who's king in his stead yes. and ruins everything, and everybody's mad. And then Patrick Stewart comes back, and everybody's like, yay. Yep. That's about as much as I know about the Crusades right there. <laughs> is that Patrick Stewart was there? <laughs> okay, yeah, that... <laughs> I love Robin Hood Men in Tights. I know you do. Guilty uh, pleasure. Anyways, what are we talking about next week? Uh, next, well, we mentioned... <laughs> now I just did the thing that you do. I said next week. Oh, uh, yeah, well, next time. Next, uh, next episode. Uh, or as we as we careen toward the cliff that is the end of the show, <laughs> um, I had mentioned a King Louis uh-huh. previously. We are talking about a much later King Louis, a more infamous King Louis, because he got his head lopped off. King Louis XVI. Louis the Sixteenth of France. Yes. Nice. Got. I know that one. That's another one where it's like, just pick a different freaking name. I <laughs> know. Uh, <sighs> cool. Like literally, he was Louis the Sixteenth when his brother came to the throne. Spoiler alert. Also called Louis. The it's 17th? like your your brother was already called Louis. You can't have two Louis. It's really easy though. It's What's dumb. a new king's name? Louis? Oh, okay. Same as the, the prior 15. Maybe it's so just no like the, because they don't want to have to change like the... The minting? The minting. Or it's like <laughs> they can just modify it. So add another just Roman numeral to it or something. Easy peasy. Change now to change the silverware or the cutlery <laughs> or whatever, the dishes. Yeah. Because Louis the Louis 16th... Was there Louis the 18th? Yeah. Okay. There's... um Actually, for some reason, maybe I'll do a little bit of research ahead of time. They name certain um like architectural styles and, oh, yeah. and like interior design hmm. after louis the 16th yeah because his period in france his was like i mean his monarchy would his reign would lead directly to the french revolution so, so. there's a lot of excess yes during his time makes sense excess and compared to the to the majority of the population sure yes. right all right Please be sure to check out our other projects, The Drunken Pawn, where we play board games and drink on YouTube, Uh, Attack of the Final Girls, my sister podcast project with my lovely pod wife, Juliet, where we talk about horror movies. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WeFedUp, no spaces. Be sure to rate and review us wherever you listen. Until next time, I'm Teresa. I'm Cody. And this is WeFedUp. WeFedUp.